Welcome to the Air Health, Our Health podcast. I'm Erica, a lung and ICU doctor. Every day in my ICU and clinic, I see patients who are there from breathing unhealthy air. And I started Air Health, Our Health to focus more upstream on the importance of healthy air for healthy people and healthy economies. Thanks for joining me. I am very fortunate to be talking to Professor Sarah Adar of the University of Michigan today. Professor Adar studies the impact of the environment on human health with a particular expertise in the impact of airborne particulate matter, including diesel and ozone. She was educated at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, and completed her doctorate at the Harvard School of Public Health. She has also studied the impact that sound public policy regarding diesel and traffic-related air pollution can have on our health. I am so honored to be able to talk to her today. Welcome to Air Health, Our Health. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. First, I'd love to hear a bit about your background and how you became interested in researching particulate matter and diesel exhaust. Yeah, so interestingly, I actually started my interest in environmental health based on water. So um, I was getting a degree in environmental engineering at MIT, um, and some folks from Woburn, Massachusetts came to talk to us about their experience of having a contaminated water supply and a cancer cluster in their town. Um, And that really just sparked my interest in how sort of the unseen pollution in our environment can impact our health. Um, And that later sent me on to, you know, getting a degree in public health. And then I did some research on Uh, air pollution, depending on where you live. So I looked at um, exposures to traffic-related air pollution in the city versus in a suburb, you know, versus sort of in a mixed area. And it was really different um, in different places. And that was also quite interesting to me. It seems that some policy changes were going into effect in the state of Washington that set up a perfect natural experiment for you to study in terms of children and their exposure to diesel particulate matter. Can you tell us about the study you did on school buses and the children riding them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, already quite some years ago, um, Washington State uh, invested some finances in trying to clean up school buses. And so I became part of a team where we recruited, um, you know, almost 300 children from uh, schools in Seattle and a town just south of Seattle um, during a time period when their buses were being cleaned up. So these are school buses, you know, that the kids would take every day um, to and from their schools. And so it was really exciting because it gave us this opportunity to study how the air pollution inside of these kids' buses changed as their buses were being cleaned up. And not only that, but also look at how their health changed over time. Yeah, what did your study show? First off, we sampled about 600 rides on uh, school buses. And what we found is that the air inside of the school buses was much cleaner after the buses had been retrofitted with clean air technologies or the buses had been replaced to newer buses that just had those technologies, um, you know, as part of the the standard equipment. Um, Levels of these fine particles that are uh, something that could get really deep into our lungs and cause health effects were dropped by almost a half after those uh, clean technologies came on board. 
Um, in addition to that, it wasn't just that the air pollution in the buses was getting cleaner, but we actually saw that the health of the kids who were riding those buses was improved after the retrofits and clean buses came into place. Um, so specifically, we saw that um, the inflammation of children in their lungs was reduced when they were riding these cleaner buses as compared to times when they were on the dirtier buses. And we also saw that kids were less likely to report to school absent, um, or I guess failed to attend school in a day, um, when they were riding cleaner buses. And that was especially true for children who have asthma. Um, and really the most severe asthmatic children saw very big benefits in health with cleaner school buses. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've told you, I think I love that study because it just gives me hope. <laughs> yes, I absolutely agree. It's it's really one of the studies that I am most proud of in my career. As you said, I think it it feels really good to demonstrate that we can make a change and see both an improvements to people's exposures and to their health. Yeah, and one of the things I focus on a great deal with Air Health, Our Health is also the third part, which I call our wealth. I think people mm. often don't see the very expensive consequences of breathing unhealthy air. And if we yeah. think about all those kids that have been missing sick days before, that not only gets them behind in school and hurts their health when they're sick and probably hurts their future educational attainment, but that also means that a parent has to stay home with them. And so if that parent's lucky enough to have paid sick leave, the employer has to pay for a day with no work done, which hurts the economy. And then if that parent isn't fortunate enough to have paid sick leave, the whole family economy suffers from that missed school day. And then that parent has less economic activity that they can do. And so it's not even including how expensive inhalers are, not to mention doctor's visits, going to the hospital, the ER. Are you aware of any studies that look at how much money Washington State might have been able to save in healthcare costs by cleaning up the particulate matter and air pollution? Or has that just not been quantified? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm glad you brought up all those other sort of hidden costs, right, that we we experience as a burden of air pollution. Um, I haven't seen that particular study. I mean, in terms of this work, what we did is we extrapolated our findings that we saw in Washington state to what the expected impact would be for the nation. You know, and we saw there that the change to clean fuels, which was really actually implemented by the US EPA, um, along with sort of the opportunity to change to cleaner buses, would be expected to save about 14 million, um, you know, missed days of school per year wow. um, across the nation in our school children, which again, as you said, you know, has ramifications for all the parents who are staying home with them. Um, the other research that you might find interesting is that they've done some work um, in the state of Georgia where they looked at, um, you know, another um, area they were buying clean buses and replacing the buses. And there, too, they found actually that there was improvements in educational attainment um, and some performance on some health tests, you know, when they switch to cleaner buses. So it's not just something that's been seen in Washington state, but has been seen elsewhere. Um, and it makes sense. You know, we know there's cognitive changes with traffic related air pollution, you know, and obviously if you can't breathe, you can't think, right? So yeah. it makes complete sense that healthy kids are going to learn and pay attention more. Yeah. And right. And certainly if you're not in school that day, because you had an asthma attack, you're, you're not going to be learning as well. Absolutely. And we spend all this time trying to figure out ways to reduce absenteeism. And here it seems like there's a beautiful study showing a very robust benefit 
but because it's invisible, because people can't see the little particles, they just don't think of it when they think about how to get kids in school. Yeah, it's probably not the first thing that people think about when they're trying to figure out how to get children into school. Yeah. Well, as we're recording this, wildfires are raging in Northern California, where my sister lives, and I'm very concerned about my nephew's health, uh, particularly now with a pandemic virus that shows that it may be more severe in areas with high particulate matter concentrations. Cleaning up the air has never seemed so urgent. Um, What do you see as important steps now that individuals, communities, counties, and states could be taking to try to decrease the risk of both particulate matter, as well as its multiplying effect with this pandemic or the next pandemic? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, I think one of the important things for communities to know is that there is funding from the U.S. government as part of the Diesel Emissions Reduction Act called DERA, um, you know, where school districts can apply uh, basically to be part of a lottery where they can win money to replace um, school buses with, you know, the older school buses with newer, um, cleaner buses. So that's amazing. Um, and, you know, they, they've they really allotted quite a lot of money to that program. Um, in fact, we just got some money this past year to try and look at the question like we did in the Seattle study across the nation. So we're going to be trying to quantify um, the educational impacts and the um, absenteeism impacts of, uh, of this DERA Act in the United States across the nation. Um, May I make a small plug for also looking at the economic impacts? Yes, I know it's a great idea. So um, absolutely. <laughs> I'll see what we can do. We're, we're also looking at um, hospitalization records as well. Um, and so that actually could bring in not only the economic costs, right, from the absenteeism, but also the hospital stays, which would be interesting because we have Medicaid data Um, And so actually, it it is possible that we could try and quantify um, the costs. Well, one of the things I keep trying to express to our local legislators and policymakers is that I am quite convinced that it is very important to think of these things like DERA funding as investments, because I'm quite certain they have multiplicative effects on both health and then wealth. So even if people only want to care about the dollars, if you spend a million dollars to clean up diesel, I'm sure you're getting, you know, $70 million in future economic benefits and lot, you know, not spending that, you know, in healthcare expenditures and asthma attacks and strokes and heart attacks and early dementia and osteoporosis and hip fractures. And I mean, everything is associated with, you know, breathing traffic related air pollution, because I always say your lungs are not smart, right? They were designed to take things from the air and bring it into your bloodstream within a few heartbeats. And so if you're, you know, whatever you're breathing off these combustion engines is circulating all over the body. And so, of course, it's going to have effects in every organ system. Yeah, it's right. And one of my favorite um, sayings I've heard is that we're all obligatory breathers, right? So (laughs) our entire lives, um, so long as we are still alive, we are bringing in particles with every breath we take. Absolutely. Um, Are there other studies that you are working on currently Um, besides the one you mentioned that you think or that you have completed recently that you think really help understand where policy can mitigate the effects of air pollution? Yeah, so I mean, the the most obvious 
one is that new one we're looking at Dira again. But um, another project that I have going on is we are using data from this nationally representative survey of older adults in the United States. And there we're linking air pollution data to um, Medicare records and trying to estimate, as you said, the cost burden um, on older adults and on the healthcare system, you know, for every unit of air pollution that people experience over the long term. So we're basically comparing those costs of people with low levels versus people with high levels, um, you know, and seeing if we can we can directly see the impacts on the economic costs, you know, healthcare costs of the population. That sounds very important and I'm very excited you're doing that. I think that so many times when people talk about, you know, decreasing healthcare expenditures, they're always trying to do it in this sense where people have fear that their healthcare is going to get taken away, that someone's going to cut it and take away their ability to see a doctor. Whereas I think if we just thought about it in, you know, the public health mindset of, well, what's upstream, right? You can still see any doctor you want, go to the hospital if you need it, but we could just have fewer people needing that if we just had healthier air. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think another study that's always really been very um, exciting for me was one that was done several years ago where they looked at the difference in life expectancy for people in the United States based on the cleaning of our air, based on the you know Clean Air Act. Um, and that study pretty compellingly showed that for every 10 microgram per cubic meter um, improvement that we had, you know, I think it was like from the 1980s through the 2000s, um, people were experiencing on average seven extra months of life, wow. which, you know, for me always uh, is really impressive and important. Um, I think people imagine that these, you know, exposures are sort of trivial in the grand scheme of things. But if you told me I had an extra seven months of life, you know, with cleaner air, boy, that sounds really, really important. Please, there are blockbuster drugs, uh, you know, approved through the FDA that cost hundreds of thousand dollars a year, a, a year for a month extra of life. So yeah, right. <laughs> and I know in, in Southern California, they had a similar, you know, when they looked at cleaning up the air down there, you know, looking at particulate matter around schools, they showed that kids' lungs started growing again to normal, healthy levels, which would mean that, you know, hopefully for their lifetime, they're just at less risk of lung disease. And as a parent, you know, I have three young children and I'm constantly as a parent and a lung doctor looking at the way they're breathing, you know, who wouldn't want to give all kids a healthy start? Because if you don't have your health, you almost can't have, you know, a wealthy, full life if you're constantly having that drag of sickness and illness, you know, placed on people. And I just don't understand why we wouldn't want to take that burden off our kids. Yeah, I mean, I think air pollution is one of those really interesting things and in that it's modifiable on the population level. It doesn't require that any individual necessarily does something different, but actually we can make laws that just improves the health of, of the nation as a whole, right? That we can, we can drop levels and impact so many different people. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I wanted to um, bring up is that uh, in June of this year, um, Kamala Harris, along with um, eight other Congress people, 
um, proposed another uh, avenue for getting money for clean school buses. So they proposed a new bill that's called the Clean School Bus Act. Mm-hmm. And what they were hoping to do was to set aside like $1 billion um, to help school districts with, uh, you know, dirty old school buses replace their buses with electric fleet. Um, and I talked to them a bit about my study and, and all of that. And the idea that, right, exactly as you're saying, if we're able to lower exposures while our kids are riding to school, you could potentially set them up for a much healthier um, lifespan. Yeah, I think people spend so much time working on the sticky end, like the really hard downstream one where someone's been absent a lot. And then there's all this expense of trying to kind of catch them up. And if we just start more upstream of let's have the kids not be sick at school, let's have them not be coughing and not able to concentrate because their brain's kind of foggy from the diesel. I mean, you just start there and then you don't appreciate how much easier life has been made by doing intelligent investing up front in health. Um, One other source of, uh, you know, funds for these kind of replacements has also been the um, Volkswagen settlement money. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of different districts have been looking at, you know, whether or not they can get some of those funds to replace um, their school buses. And a lot of people have been looking at electric buses as well for that. That's what we've done in Oregon. We've used a, a lot of the VW settlement money to work on the school bus issue. But and kids are obviously very important, but I also treat a lot of truck drivers in my practice um, yeah. you know, and people who work around diesel or have driven you know, trucks for a long time and are sitting in traffic. And so, you know, it's, it's not that, I mean, kids are particularly vulnerable because they breathe more than adults and they're young and you're hitting them in a developmental window, but, you know, adults are important too when they are sitting in traffic all across this country and the same health benefits can also be shared across our entire population if we overall decrease the particulate matter exposure. Yeah, absolutely. I know I always wish that we could have included bus drivers in that study because, you know, whereas the students are riding the bus, maybe, you know, 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, tops an hour each way, those school bus drivers, right, and other truck drivers in the community are sitting in those vehicles, you know, all day long. So, um, I certainly do think that these kind of improvements to our buses not only impact the people who are riding those buses and driving the buses, but also the communities surrounding them as well. Absolutely. We have a school here in North Portland that it's unsafe for the children to be outside for multiple hours a day. And we had to invest in an extremely expensive air purifying you know, system for the roof just related to the traffic related air pollution nearby. And again, it's, you know, we can do all that. We can spend all that money, but we could also just clean up the air and all the people living in houses and having yards and gardens, you know, right around the school, or obviously they don't have million dollar air filtration systems on their roof, you know? Yes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Since the year 2012, um, I guess it's really 2012 through the 2017 lottery, Uh, So in a five-year span, um, the EPA funded 414 different, um, basically, school districts for clean buses, spending almost $28 million uh, to clean up different buses. And And that program, the National Clean Diesel Rebate Program, is still ongoing. Wonderful. 
And it would be okay. so interesting to see what the ROI is, you know, the return on investment, because I imagine a lot of people hear that and they think, oh, that's however many millions of my taxpayer dollars. But if you flip it around and say, this is how many millions or billions we saved in healthcare costs, right? Yeah. Like this is yeah, the yeah, investment yeah. we did to leverage the savings. I think it helps people understand a little more. Yeah. And actually, so we, I remember at one point we had tried to figure out like how much money it cost for parents to stay at home with kids for that like exact idea that you were talking about, but I don't think we ever found it. But I'm wondering, yeah, now with this new one, certainly with the hospitalizations, if we see anything there, then we could definitely do those costs. And then extrapolating the costs of lost school days. I'll have to see. Maybe I'll, I'll talk to some of my economist friends and see if we can figure out how to there do that. There was an article in, I think, in tobacco control that was called Estimating the Cost of a Smoking Employee. Um, hmm. And they did a lot of modeling on, again, I go talk about tobacco and then I go talk about diesel and the lawmakers act like I'm talking about completely unrelated things. And I'm always saying, don't light yeah. things on fire and breathe them in your lungs. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's simply put, right? Yeah. Exactly. I actually made a t-shirt with it. Um, the but what they showed is that the average smoking employee for a private employer costs over five thousand dollars a year and this was way this was i forget even when this was because it was back when you had more smoke in the workplaces and it's so interesting because yeah. employers saw a lot of this data and we had smoke-free workplaces right and if you do the back yeah. of mat, like napkin calculation if it's like someone smoking a pack a day that's like 16 dollars a pack is what tobacco taxes should start to approximate to start to yeah. be recuperating even a little bit of the health. That's not even including all the healthcare costs for people who are now so sick from smoking that they can't work. And so it might be yeah. interesting to look at how they modeled that because they did look at some absenteeism. So for example, smoking employees, which again, it's a particular matter disease, right? Are more likely to, if they miss a sick day, they miss more. If they're hospitalized, it's hospitalized for longer. So they did draw in some of those, those factors to, to work out how much it was costing employers when employees smoked and that um, led to a lot of very rapid smoke-free workplaces. I think of diesel exhaust as America smoking, basically. We're just lighting fuel yeah. on fire and breathing it in our lungs rather than cigarettes. <laughs> yes, for sure. And actually, so if you're looking for other folks to talk to, um, it reminds me of some new research that Jack Spangler at Harvard just did. So he just had a really high impact study um, because he looked at lost worker productivity with more air pollution. And he was interested in indoor air, um, but they were pretty striking results and sort of, you know, exactly as you're saying, right, it hit things like Forbes and all of these, you know, um, uh, groups that aren't usually interested in air pollution. But once it became about the cost and lost worker productivity, I think it, you know it obviously became more impactful. I want to thank you so much for all the excellent science you do. Um, on a personal note, as a clinician, I sincerely appreciate when science is so practical and directly applicable to people's lives. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for um, speaking with me. It was nice to meet you. Um, and I will send you some more references. <laughs> I always like more science. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. It was so wonderful to talk to Professor Adar. I hope if you're listening to this podcast, you've come to appreciate the common theme that breathing unhealthy air leads to lifelong consequences. 
traffic-related air pollution and diesel exhaust start to affect children when they are in the womb, causing premature deliveries, for example. Air pollution leads to smaller lungs in children and worsens conditions like asthma. Dr. Adar's study and others have shown that riding in a school bus breathing diesel exhaust leads kids to be out sick more and do worse in school. Fortunately, the science also gives us hope that if we take action from a policy standpoint and invest in cleaning up diesel exhaust, we can yield real short-term benefits that make a difference now in the life of a child and will yield lifetimes of health, better academic performance, and future prosperity. Dr. Adar raised the concern about the drivers of the buses who have an even more prolonged exposure to diesel exhaust. I have bus drivers and truckers in my practice and know that their jobs have likely taken a toll on their health. We all sit in traffic at different times. We all deserve to breathe healthy air, and there are now options in transportation technology that we should be supporting to make that transition happen quickly. As a doctor, I reflect a great deal on the difference with transportation technology and medical technology. If a new medical device comes out that saves more lives than the old version, or has fewer side effects, we move towards it as physicians, because what is more precious than life and health? Imagine you or a loved one are in the hospital and need a pacemaker, and the doctor comes in and says, listen, there may be a newer technology that is less dangerous, but it costs more, and I know the guy that made the old device, and we already bought it, so we don't want to waste it. So we're going to put this older, less safe technology in your body. Thanks for taking one for the team. I don't think we would find that acceptable. It is worth it as a society to invest in helping our transportation and shipping systems move to cleaner technology that sickens fewer kids and wastes fewer minds. We need transportation and shipping. We all need medicine sent around the country, for example. We need to get to work and kids to school. However, we can invest in cleaner technologies and create a stronger economy and a more stable climate while we are doing it. So what can you do? As an example, try contacting your members of Congress and telling them to support legislation like the Clean School Bus Act. Why not replace or retrofit every single school bus in this country so our kids aren't getting sick going to school? That could yield economic stimulus. How? Not only would we be buying new buses or hiring companies to retrofit the old buses, but we would have 14 million fewer sick days per year for kids across the country, which essentially means 14 million fewer sick days for the parents that have to stay home and take care of the kids. That means more money in the family's pocket from not missing a day of work and more productivity for our employers. Our kids would also not get as far behind in school and have better academic performance like they showed in Georgia, which likely means better education and job opportunities in the future. Visit the Wealth section of the website to learn more about how the Clean Air Act had a 20% annualized rate of economic return. This is how. Healthy air leads to healthy people and healthy economies. It's easy money. The longer we wait, the more expensive this all becomes. Please look at the show notes today or visit the accompanying blog post to find out what steps you can take to encourage that transition to cleaner diesel and transportation technologies in your community. We're coming to the end of the podcast. For more information about the importance of healthy air, please visit airhealthourhealth.org and follow on Instagram and Facebook. Remember, if you do nothing else, don't light things on fire and breathe them into your lungs. This applies to tobacco, diesel fuel, forests, and more. Thanks for joining me today. I am a full-time physician and not an epidemiologist or public health expert. This podcast is for your education and entertainment, but should not be interpreted as individual medical advice. Please consult with your own healthcare team to determine what is right for your health. Thank you and stay safe.